I love students from Southwestern. I've been impressed with the spirit. Uh, you have a, you're the only seminary I know of that has a chair of fire. And there's something of that fire burning in your hearts. And God bless you in your work, your studies, your witness. Uh, you focus on evangelism and missions and have a high view of the scriptures. That's a recipe for a seminary that will make a difference for Jesus Christ in this world. Today, I want to look at one of the Psalms with you. Uh, one of my favorite Psalms. I keep being drawn back to it again and again because it speaks so powerfully to my own heart and life. It's Psalm 77. I'm going to read the entire Psalm. And then I want to give an expositional message on Psalm 77 that I hope will be a blessing and encouragement to you in your own walk with God today. Psalm 77, I cry aloud to God, aloud to God that he may hear me. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my soul is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. I think of God and I moan, I meditate and my spirit faints. You keep my eyelids from closing. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I consider the days of old and remember the years of long ago. I commune with my heart in the night. I meditate and search my spirit. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love ceased forever? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up? His compassion. And I say, it is my grief that the right hand of the Most High has changed. I will call to mind the deeds of the Lord. I will remember your wonders of old. I will meditate on all your work and muse on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is as great as our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have displayed your might among the peoples. With your strong arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid and very troubled. The clouds poured out water. The skies thundered. Your arrows flashed on every side. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightnings lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea. Your path through the mighty waters. Yet, your footprints were unseen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. The title for this sermon comes in verse 19, those words, your footprints were unseen, unseen footprints. Now let's pray. Oh Lord, we thank you for your holy word, for its truth, its power, for its ability to speak to the innermost needs of our hearts and lives today. We ask now that you will come with your spirit and take the things of the Lord Jesus Christ and show them unto us. Remove from our hearts any barriers that would stand in the way of your Spirit's work in our life. And give us 
Give us wisdom. We seek your wisdom, O oh God. We need it in all of our ignorance and darkness. Help us. This is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the Psalms have been called the prayer book of the Bible. 150 beautiful prayers right in the heart of our Bible. Also, the hymn book of the Bible. Because each of the Psalms is a song. And I want to interpret Psalm 77 as a, as a hymn, as a, as a song, with four stanzas. I'll point them out as we go back through Psalm 77. Four movements, if you want to think of it as a symphony orchestra, a composition, a concerto in four movements. We can think of Psalm 77 that way. Well, the first movement begins right at the very beginning. I cry aloud to God. In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. At night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. The first movement is about the troubles. Where does prayer begin? Where do you think prayer begins? Well, all prayer, all genuine theology, I think, begins in pain. And this is a psalm written by a person in pain. I cry aloud to God. A person who has sleepless nights, awake on his bed long hours at night, is in pain. What's caused the pain? Well, we don't know, really. He never really goes into detail and tells us what has caused all of this pain. But it's clear that he's speaking from a place of suffering and pain. Maybe it was some national crisis or catastrophe. Like when the Babylonian armies marched into Judea, carried away the children of Israel back to captivity leaving the nation devastated. Maybe it was some big national grand event like that. Or perhaps it reflects the experience of the exile itself. The cajoling sneer and contempt of the captors who taunted the children of Israel in faraway Babylon. Where now is your God? Is he blind that he cannot see? Is he deaf? That he can't hear? Is he paralyzed that he cannot move? Sing us one of the songs of Zion. But they said, how can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? Or maybe it was something more up close and personal than that. Out of the depths have I cried to you, says the psalmist, Psalm 130. Out of the depths. Oh, Lord, hear my voice. The depths. What are the depths? The depths are those times when a mother or father holds an all-night vigil between the day their child was well and the day he will be well again. The depths. It's when a doctor comes into the room and he takes your hand and he says, there's nothing else we can do. The depths. It's when the roses have faded and the candlelight 
flickers dimly in your marriage and she looks at you over a plate of leftover tuna helper and says, I don't love you anymore. I won't be here when you get home. The depths. Have you ever experienced anything like that? The psalmist has the depths when we are at the end of our rope, as we say. There's nowhere else we can go. Prayer starts like this. It, it doesn't start with recitation and memorization. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. There's nothing wrong with that prayer. I taught my children that prayer, but that's not really where this kind of prayer starts. It's not something you learn by rote and recite from memory. It's something that is born in the deeper innards of your heart. Out of the depths have I cried unto you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my cry. There are two images for depths in the Psalms. They recur again and again. One is found here. I stretched out untiring hands. It's the person of, picture of a person who's drowning. Floods have come, swept over his head. He's drowning. And the other image, we find it in Psalm 69. Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in the miry depths where there is no foothold. I've come into the deep waters and the floods engulf me. That's the image of a pit being at the bottom of a Deep cistern where criminals were placed. Jeremiah was put in a pit like that. And he sank down into the depths of the miry, muddy pit. That's the image that he's using here to talk about the troubles that have swept over him and caused him to cry out to God, Oh God, help me. Now that's the first stanza, the, the troubles. The second stanza of this psalm begins in verse 7. And it consists of seven questions. One right after another, like staccato in music. Da, 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 like that. What are these questions? Notice what they say, will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? Imagine questions like that. You know, what these questions contain is a deep inquisition against the very character of God. Where in the Old Testament do we find more clearly crystallized than almost anywhere else a statement about who God is, his character, his faithfulness? Well, I think you have to go back to Exodus 34. That tremendous passage in Exodus as the children of Israel are being led out of bondage and slavery in, in Egypt. And in Psalm 7, in, in Exodus 34, 
the Lord passes by Moses and he gives him that wonderful, holy, special name by which he is to be known. And he then says this, the Lord, the Lord, Yahweh, Yahweh, Jehovah, Jehovah, a God merciful and gracious. That's how he revealed himself. Slow to anger. Abounding. Don't you love that word? Abounding. More and more and more and more in steadfast love and faithfulness. Keeping that hesed, that steadfast love, that loyal love for thousands of generations. And forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. This is God. But here in Psalm 77, every one of those characteristics of God is being called into question as the psalmist cries out in pain. Will the Lord reject forever? Will he not be gracious anymore? Has his steadfast love ceased forever? Is it gone? King James Version, which I grew up on. I'm not a King James Version only preacher, but I'm a King James Version often preacher. Because often it just gets it right and says it more powerfully to my soul. And the King James Version translates, Is his mercy clean gone forever? Is it clean gone? Questioning the very goodness and character of God. I want to stop for a minute and ask you a question. Why are these questions in the Bible? Why do they belong here in the text of Holy Scripture, the very Word of God? I think there are two answers to that question. The first one is that there is no depth to which you can sink. No dilemma so great, no question too penetrating but that you can bring it to God in prayer. He invites you to do that. Casting all your care upon him, we're told, because he cares for us. So if you've had questions like this in your own heart and life, don't hesitate to bring them to God. Tell them to the Lord. Tell it to Jesus. We used to sing that song in the church where I grew up. Tell it to Jesus. No question too hard, including questions like this that call into question the very character of God is revealed in his word. There are times in your life when you're going to feel like this. Bring it to God. And the other reason why I think we have questions like this right here in the middle of the Bible is because there is no Easter Sunday that does not go through Good Friday. There is no glorious resurrection morning that hasn't experienced, first of all, the suffering and agony of Calvary. Bring it to God. Now, we're going to have to hasten on and look at the third stanza. There's much more that we could say about this, of course. It's a wonderful text to think about, to meditate on, to, to, to reflect on. But I, I, I want to I go to the third stanza. The third stanza begins in the middle of verse 11. He's gone through his troubles, 
being in the pit, sinking in the waves, in the flood. He's reflected on his questions that came out of the darkness and depth. But now there is a turning point. A turning point right here in the middle of the psalm. And if you're just rushing reading through it without stopping to listen to what you're reading, you might miss it. Don't do that. Stop. Listen. That word in the middle of verse 11 is remember. That's the turning point. I will call to mind the deeds of the Lord. I will remember. Remember your wonders of old. When life gets you down and the devil is tempting you in every which way, there's not anything better you can do than just to stop and remember. Remember what? Remember who God is. All those things we confessed in Exodus 34. God still is that slow to anger, forgiving, powerful, compassionate, full of mercy. Remember that. Remember who God is and remember what he has done. That's what this psalm is going to focus on now. The way of God in creation. You know, God has revealed himself in all kinds of different ways. In the Bible, we're told that he reveals himself in the cosmos, the heavens declare the glory of God. The earth shows forth his firmament, his handiwork. He declares himself in the beauty of creation and the wonder of the world that he has made and the sun that shines and the birds that sing. All of that is the handiwork of God. And also in our own conscience. Now, we sometimes say, let your conscience be your guide. That's not always good advice because your conscience has to be informed by the word of God or it could lead you astray. It's not infallible, your conscience. The Bible is infallible, inerrant. Your conscience isn't. It has to be tutored. It has to be taught. It has to be shaped. But God does speak to us in the Bible. We read this again and again, sometimes in that still, little, quiet, inner voice he's revealing himself to us and so we remember all of this the miracles God has done the word he has given to us in scripture there's a song from the African American tradition I've often heard sung and love to hear sung if it had not been for the Lord on our side where would I be? I think I'll sing that for you. If it had not been for the Lord on our side, where would we be? Oh, where would we be? That song has some gospel in it. Where would we be had it not been for the Lord on our side? That's what the psalmist is talking about. I will remember. I will meditate. I will think about who God is and what he has done and his faithfulness in days gone by. And I will let it sink deep down into my soul. I don't watch many movies, do you? But there was a movie I saw some years ago, not too many years ago. It was called The Notebook. I don't know if you ever saw that movie or not. You ever seen The Notebook? It's kind of a corny movie, sort of a romantic movie. 
I went, went to see it with my wife. She likes movies better than I do. We went to see The Notebook. And it's a story, uh, it's a love story. And it sort of starts out when this couple's young and they're in the first bloom of love and everything's great and wonderful. And then it pans to the end of their lives. Things are different now. The man's name is Noah. And Noah is in a nursing home. He's come to visit his wife. Her name is Allie. And she sits there day after day. He comes every day to see her because he loves her. Even though she's not able to do what she once did, she's confined. She has memory loss. And Noah comes to see her and they sit and talk and sometimes she knows him and sometimes she doesn't. Usually she doesn't. But one day he brings a notebook. It's the notebook that she wrote to him when they were first in love as young people. Those tender, wonderful words of love that she expressed as a young woman to Noah before they were married in their early married life. And now he still has that notebook and he brings it and he reads it to Allie in the nursing home. And usually nothing happens. He's just reading words. But every now and then, Allie's eyes will open and a smile will steal over her face. And she remembers. She recognizes. I'm Allie. That's Noah. We're in love. And Noah says in the movie, every now and then, she comes back to me. Every now and then, she comes back to me. You know, that's what the Bible is. It's, it's a notebook. We have so much stuff coming into our lives that give us spiritual amnesia. We've forgotten who we are. We don't remember who God is or what he's done. But every now and then, if we'll get this notebook, this wonderful holy book of God's wisdom given to us in the scriptures, and we read it with hearts open and minds alert, every now and then, our eyes will clear We'll know we're not alone in this world. However deep the troubles are, they will not overwhelm us because God loves us. He's made us in his image and he's created us for a destiny that is eternity. Every now and then, it comes back to us. Remember. Well, I've got to close this sermon. All sermons have to close. And this one does too. And there is a concluding verse. The conclusion. You know, I don't have time. I wish I did to go through each of these verses that show how God, the God of the thunderstorm, is on the throne. That's what this psalm is about. The clouds poured water. The lightnings flashed. And then we come to a conclusion. The conclusion is verse 19 and 20. Your way, O God, was through the sea. Not always the calm, placid sea with waters like unbroken glass, sometimes turbulent, violent, waves crashing high, yet your path was through the mighty waters, but your footprints 
and sin. I want to leave you with that thought the psalmist gives us here. Your footprints were unseen. Sometimes we don't always immediately, obviously see how God is at work in the circumstances that are swirling about us, especially when we're in the pit, sinking in the depths and wondering where God is. But the witness of Holy Scripture and the people of God through the ages is that God has never left his people alone that he guides us through all the torturous pathways of life, even though his footprints are often unseen. I fled him down the nights, down the days. I fled him down the arches of the years. I fled him down the labyrinthine ways of my own mind. And in the midst of tears, I hid from him. And under running laughter, upvisted hopes I sped and shot precipitated down titanic glooms of chasm fears, and I fled him, and I fled him, and I ran from those strong feet that followed, followed after. You recognize that? That's Francis Thompson's wonderful poem, The Hound of Heaven. If you don't know it, you ought to check it out and read it. Who was Francis Thompson? He was an alcoholic. He was a drug addict on the streets of London in the gutter, lost, running, running, fleeing, but behind him, invisibly, imperceptibly, came those strong feet that followed, followed after. You can, you can see the devil's footprints. It's not very hard to detect it. They're everywhere around us in our culture, drive through any city, on television, wherever you internet you see the footprints of satan are evident god's footprints are often unseen not so easily perceived but real nonetheless where do they lead they lead through the sea they lead through the depths where he has gone before us where he walks beside us because he lives within us and he has promised never to leave us or forsake us. That's how the psalm concludes. The very last note of the last stanza. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. What does that remind you of? Well, yes, the Exodus, of course. But also, I think, Psalm 23. Like a flock. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down. In green pastures, yes, sometimes, but also along the ravenous crevice, the dangerous slope. Always, he leads his people to that land where there will be no more tears, no more sorrow, no more death. There will be no more pits. There will be no more mire and muck to sink in, but we shall forever bask in the presence of our great and living God. Try singing this song. Try singing this song. Let your heart meditate on its message. Prayer, begun in pain, leads to questions. And the turning point, you remember. You remember who God is. 
and what he has done and that his promises are unfailingly true. And you keep following those unseen footprints, led all the while by the hand of the Lord, like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. 